At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, all right. Hey, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And today I have Fuzzy with me from Fuzzy and the Rust Belts. They're from uh, the Buffalo, New York area. And so, Fuzzy, man, it's great to have you on, brother. What is good? Hey, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me on here. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Yeah, man. Yeah, man, we've been having fun out here in Buffalo. We just finished up a show on Friday at the Mohawk place. Yeah. And, and what a great crowd we had. We, we came out with a lot of energy and, and some new friends uh, out of that show. So it was a good, good deal for us. Yeah, great, man. I saw some of the uh, the pictures and some of the promotion for the show. It seemed like it was it was a really big deal for the area. Yeah, um, especially seeing how like this is Cinco de Mayo weekend, and so in Buffalo, whenever there's you know some sort of big event going on on the weekends, and a good excuse take- to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually it's a good excuse to drink for three four days. <laughs> right. So anyway, yeah, we pulled a, a good crowd in off the street there there was a festival going on around the corner and we had a nice crowd in there and uh we played with leroy towns and uh tencent howl which are in the area and yeah. uh they're two bands that i kind of look up to they're they're kind of the top of the heap in buffalo oh wow it definitely meant a lot yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely all right man and so just to give a lot of little background on fuzzy and the rust belts how did you become fuzzy and when did the rust belts come together uh so fuzzy is a uh it's kind of a uh, a nickname that my father had when he was younger because uh, at the time fuzzy thurston was a he was a green bay packer and uh yeah so anyway people start calling him fuzzy at that time it just kind of stuck and so um i ended up inheriting the name so I, I liked it when I was thinking of names for the band and stuff I wanted to be able to tip your hat to it yeah tip my hat to that and as well as you know our location in the United States and you know Buffalo is definitely a rust belt city yeah and uh, so I kind of wanted to give a little uh, tip the hat so to speak to uh, Buffalo as well so fuzzy and the rust belts kind of stuck and, yeah uh, yeah so it's a catchy little name yeah, and so how many people are? In, yeah, just name the uh, the people in the band, if you will, and what they do, and how did sure. uh, how did y'all all meet? Well, so we've got uh, Joe Renauden on electric guitar, on bass guitar. We've got Eric Adams. He's uh, originally from uh, the Orlando area. Okay. And we've got Amanda Stoddard on vocals with me. And, uh, she's got a strong, she, powerful voice, man. Yeah, she does. I liked her, I liked her voice on that sweet song. Yeah, she's got a, a killer uh, alto voice, and she's got such a big range. Mm-hmm. Um, so now in our live performance, um, we're even using her more than than what's heard on the album. Yeah. So that's been really great. And then we've got uh, Joe Newton on the drums, who uh, who came in after the the recording. 
and he's been doing a phenomenal job for us. Yeah. So, yeah, so how did we all start as a band? It kind of started, um, I took a hiatus from songwriting for probably, oh, almost 10 years. So after I had my first son back in 2012 is really when I started writing again. And I used to be like, just like a rock and roll kind of guy, you know, wasn't in the Americana genre uh, Mm -hmm. too much. And uh, it really was sitting, listening to Pandora and Old Crow Medicine Show came on. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time, now this is 2012. (laughs) It's the first time I had ever heard Wagon Wheel. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool tune. So I started looking into them more and, and rabbit holes, one thing leads to another. And I start, you know, writing again because my son's born and I'm playing for him. And I was going to kind of ask why, what, yeah. what prompted you to start doing it again? It was just, it was a good way to lull him to sleep. Yeah, you know, because we would be sitting there and he was very, uh, you know, when he would get restless or something or I needed something to do with him. He was little and, you know, babies, they don't move too much so you can lay him on the bed and I'd grab the guitar and it was a good excuse to play for a half hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. And he loved it. And I started then picking out little things again and really getting back into it. So it was good. It took me a number of years really to start figuring out what I could do right with a song and what I could do wrong. Yeah. And because uh, I did a lot of songwriting, you know, early 2000s, I was in bands. and Was it more rock know, and roll? Yeah, it was more rock and roll. And then there was a jam. We, I had a, a jam band as well. And I went back and I looked at like pre old recordings and lyrics and stuff like that. And I, what I loved about when I was in high school was, you know, it was like my first uh, real tackle at songwriting. Okay. And, but it was real simple. You know, it wasn't complicated. It was pretty much a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, guitar solo, chorus, and out. We didn't even put a bridge in there. Yeah. And then when I got into the jam band scene, it was real complicated. There were verses, pre-choruses, you know, two bridges, maybe sometimes in a song. And But my lyrics, they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't have any focus. That was one thing that I knew off the bat was one of my weaknesses as a songwriter. Yeah. And uh, so I started researching songwriting tips and one of the best things I came across was uh, I got, uh, just this article a guy kept it real simple he talked about write about what you know mm-hmm. and don't try to make yourself don't talk about things that you know you don't know about and try and play like, play it off like you do Yeah. so uh, that was a pretty cool article to read and then I uh, I found Jason Isbell <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that guy. Twenty-four frames is unbelievable. Oh my goodness! So yeah, his, I love it. Like his, um, his southeastern album, really. It was like, if I were to ever tell someone, like, if someone ever to ask me how to write a song, I would say, go listen to southeastern. Yeah. Go listen to something more than free, mm-hmm. and you, you'll know how to write a song. How did you find Jason? Uh, Jason, you know, a friend of mine, I forget who I was listening to at the time. I think I was listening to like Justin Towns Earl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you need to check this guy out, Jason Isbell. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, uh, I was back in Buffalo at the time and got together with an old buddy of mine that I used to play with. And he's like, check these guys out because, you know, you're really getting back into songwriting again. 
mm-hmm. uh, you're going to want to check Jason Isbell out. And I fell in love with it, man. Like, as soon as I heard Cover Me Up, yeah, yeah, I that... was out, you know, it was it. <laughs> yeah, if we were yeah. vampires, uh, man, Speed Trap Town, dude, I... You know he's yeah. a he's a Bama boy. He's just uh, right down the road from where I live right now, like uh, okay. where, where he was brought up. Yeah, right now is that the Pine Belt there? Yes. Like uh, where you're at? Okay. Yeah, so. it's like Iron Hills and the Pines. Yeah. Now does that that goes up toward through Mississippi and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I I always love listening to, and one of the things I like about lyric writing is um, geography. Not geography yeah but not being too specific mm-hmm. like you can say yeah okay like a, a state or you kind of get an idea of where it is but i like a little bit of the mystery yeah and i i rarely will i'll may i may be talking about where i'm at um but i very rarely will i like say buffalo or you know my like that kind of stuff because i kind of like to leave a little bit of mystery so that people can relate to it where they are mm-hmm you know, and he does that very nicely. Yeah. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, one of those things like learning from from other musicians is uh, and your peers, you know, in whatever city you are, in whatever scene you're in. I think that we all as musicians can really teach each other the best things about our, ourselves and, and how to go about songwriting. And Do you like to drive by truckers? You know, I haven't listened much to them, even though I I, I, uh, I have a few of their tunes, um, but I, I can't tell you the names of them. So. That's, Jason came from that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I haven't really given too much of, like, because I know they've got a new singer now, but yeah, I haven't really listened to it uh, too much. The songs I did listen to, I thought they were good, but uh, I don't know, there's something about, you know, his, his stuff that yeah. really gets me, so... Yeah, I got you. And yeah. I, I tell you this: uh, two things that uh, was interesting to me about songwriting. I had a, a friend on Bo Jeffries, and okay. he said that one thing that really helped him with songwriting was uh, he read a book about how to draw. Like oh, he, really? he he was just interested because he was like, it was so interesting to me. He's like, have you ever sat down with somebody, and they just drew you on a napkin? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I mean. Yes, yeah, he said, "How cool is that?" And I was like, "It's cool." And he's like, "That's the perspective. They're just sitting across from you, and like taking that perspective, and maybe it's like a ge- geographical thing, to right. you know." And it was like, "Sit down and like just write about what you see." That's kind of what it turned into. And then I think age has a lot to do with it, and just living and yeah, and having a story to talk about. It really, you know, you you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Um, I think part of the reason that I'm finding some success with uh, this this time around playing again and uh, songwriting and putting out this recent album is because of age. You know, I'm 36 now, and I've traveled around the United States and stuff like that. And yeah. I've, I've seen different things, experienced different things, and, man, there's just so much more to talk about now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, just being able to relate to people and, like, knowing how people feel about things, too, I think it helps a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, it's really cool to be back at this again and just watching. You know, same thing with like drawing is such a great example of of how to you know approach songwriting because 
really it's the same thing you draw out an outline of where you want your song to go mm-hmm. you know you've got if you got a story you got to have a beginning a middle and an end and what's the conflict and you know is there redemption at the end is there you know bitterness or sorrow at the end what's you know so all of that it needs to be drawn out ahead of time before you fine-tune the lyrics mm-hmm with songwriting, man, I started playing guitar when I was 15 and started songwriting, I think I was 16 and got a little more serious when I was 18. And the guy I was taking lessons from was fortunate enough that he was, he had a recording studio. He let me record there. And it was so interesting because it had been lost 10 years. Or I hadn't thought about it in a while. And like my dad found, he found that little three song EP. And going oh, back nice. and going back and listening to it, and I was like, "Dang, dude!" Yeah. <laughs> it's funny hearing your 15, 16 year old self again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "What in the world was you talking about, man? You you didn't know anything." Right. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And I've I've been thinking. I was like, "Man, do I want to go back and rework these songs?" I was like, "I don't know." I think because that was one of them. I was like, "I would definitely still play it just for fun." You know, I went through a kick where I did that. I went through, like, a, uh, you know, a high school recording. And I'm like, how can I make these a little better, you know? So it was fun to do it. I, I didn't end up using any of it uh, again. But it's kind of fun to go down memory lane and try and figure out what the heck you were talking about back then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah. know, when I first picked up a guitar, was, yeah, right around the same age, 15 years old. My father had an old marquee acoustic guitar i think they were made by martin okay uh but the action sucked man it was so high yeah it was it was the perfect guitar to learn or yeah perfect guitar to learn on. yeah really learn how to push them strings down yeah man all my calluses got big but yeah it was so uh so interesting getting into that and the whole only reason i started because i wanted to write a song for my girlfriend yeah. You know, of course, I think probably most of us at some point want to write a song for a girl. Oh, yeah. That's why you picked yeah. it up in the first place, right? You saw yeah. it in the movie. It's like, the, the oh. dude with the guitar gets a chick. <laughs> and, and that ends up working after a while. But you <laughs> just gotta, <laughs> yeah. You just got to get somewhat good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was uh, for guitar. I always, though, um, I sang, though, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, when, when people ask me, oh, you're a guitar player, I say, well, no, nah, I'm a singer more than a guitar player if I were to categorize yourself yeah yeah my my instrument's my voice more than the guitar but I started singing probably around 10 and you know got kicked out of chorus because I was being a jerk to the uh, choral director nice and yeah so thank goodness my mother recognized I had a little something there and she went and talked to him convinced him to let me back in (laughs) back into the uh, the chorus there it turns out you know, I took that second chance and I ran with it. And, you know, I was awarded uh, at the end of the year for you know most improved student or something like that. But wow, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There. Thanks, mom. This is history. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah, you so, did me. You did me right, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like it's funny. And then you know, when you're a teenager. And, oh yeah, you know, you're so to... rebellious. You know what's best because you know yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'd always throw that in her face too, you know, you know, she'd be yelling at me or something or my dad or, you know, because they didn't want me to play a gig here or a gig there. And I'm like, well, why did you get me back into chorus if you didn't want me to sing? <laughs> yeah. Got to turn it on them. Yeah. I got to turn it on them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how some of the how you found some of the pieces for the band. Did did y'all come up in high school together, or did y'all meet down at a bar, or how did that happen? Well, so our guitar player Joe is my cousin, and believe it or not, I taught him his first like six chords on guitar. That and, worked out uh, pretty good for you. It worked out really good. So he's uh, he's about five or six years younger than me. So when we were getting everything rolling before we started recording, I had a different guy playing with us. Well, he ended up moving back to Indiana, and I needed someone who I knew that could come in and, and just kind of grab the music and, and start going with it. So my, I knew my cousin. He's, he's a phenomenal player. He, he has a background in metal. And, oh, wow. Uh, so I, I said to him, I go, any interest in the Americana genre? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I've really been like, you know, digging it lately. And you I know, said, well, let me so- go ahead. I've, so many metal people, like when they cross genres, it somehow always ends up Americana. Well, it's so fun, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think they can bring a lot of that melodic, because metal is very melodic and they can bring it right there and it translates so well. Yep. Yeah. And he does, and he does. He's got such a a great approach to all the songs, and you know, and he's one of those guys too. You can listen to it, and then twenty minutes later, he'll he'll play the whole thing verbatim. Uh, I know? hate those guys. <laughs> so, and he, you know, the other part of him though is he's got great ideas. Yeah. And that's really the big thing. He got a lot of great players out there, but being able to find someone who's got great ideas is rare. Yeah. And so I was really fortunate then to grab my cousin and get him on board here. But the rest of the folks I, I met at church, believe it or not. So here uh, where I live, there's a there's a big church that uh, I joined the church band. And uh, me and you relate there, dude. Yeah, man. So it was like, okay, so I when I wanted to write this album, I didn't have a band in mind for any of it. Like I want to write a six track EP with maybe a mandolin and, you know, some extra little guitar parts or something like that. So I got together with, uh, the sound engineer at our church, Carl Maciag. He ended up producing this entire album. Nice. And, uh, I said to him, I said, Carl, I know you're, you're a fantastic sound guy and you, you do such a good job here. I go, do you have any recording experience? He's like, well, that's what I went to school for. And I said, all right. Well, How about that? Yeah. I said, you want to you get together? I got some songs that I've written. He's like, sure. So it was like February 2018. He and I got together. I showed him what I had. And, you know, one thing after another, we got, we kind of, um, talked about him and you know he kind of said well maybe you could rework like for that sweet song for instance he's like maybe we could uh take you know half of the verse and start off in the beginning and you know how that all goes so we ended yeah. up uh, just tweaked it a little bit yep got into that and how receptive were you to that because i know a lot of times it's kind of hard to it's like no that's that's the way i wrote it <laughs> you know it, it is but i worked years ago i uh, did a recording with armand petrie he is a producer. He did like some early stuff for the Goo Goo Dolls here in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he also had a deal. He was the manager for Sixpence None the Richer back in the 90s and, and did some stuff with them. And so I really, uh, I got broken in by him. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he kind of, because I remember, you know, having some deep concerns about changing this or that. And he said, listen, you hired me for a reason. 
look at my resume, you know. And so I learned a lot from Armand. And, you know, if you approach someone asking them to produce your album. You need to take advice, right? Exactly. And and Carl, I respect him as a songwriter and, and and a music. He's a phenomenal musician. He plays multiple instruments. And there's no reason not to you know, at least try what he's he's got in mind, you know. And he and I worked really well together. Yeah, even now with songwriting, man, I try to have at least run it by two or three people that, like you're talking about, who are fellow songwriters that I respect. Yeah, And maybe absolutely. they have that producer. They, they've been around long enough to be like, yeah, I really hear the potential, but this needs to happen. Yeah, well, you need those people when you're writing. You need someone to be able to honestly tell you that that sucks. Yes. Or, you know, or you know, hey, I like that, but I don't like the bridge. Or or even, you know, because they're so critical all the time. Yeah. When they, t- when they tell you it's freaking awesome, <laughs> you're like, woohoo! Yeah. I made it! <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, actually, a good buddy of mine, he lives down in D.C., uh, was my guitar player years ago. He and I had a really good songwriting relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy by the name of Pete Thomas, and I really take a lot of what he says to heart. He's a great friend, and he's he's a really smart guy. So he and I, he's kind of my soundboard sometimes, and I probably call him too much, but he he has a lot of patience with me. Yeah, I'll tell <laughs> so, you this about church and finding just people who are extremely talented with the soundboard and with sound and just musicians. When I had I had grew up in church, yeah. And then my parents were divorced, and then we kind of just fell out for a while. I didn't okay. go back till uh, I think I was nineteen or twenty. I got invited. I was working at a truck stop, and okay. the pastor's wife invited me. And like a month later, I just showed up. Hmm. Yeah, and and cool. like all the impressions that I remembered about church, like the way they did things, it really it kind of disregarded all those stigmas that I had. I was like, they're the opposite of what I thought. Right. And it was just giving it a chance, but I saw one Sunday that someone did music with a guitar and my eyes lit up, and I was like, ooh, they do music here. Yeah. Because I thought it was just going to be like a piano or an organ. Yeah, and, yeah um, the, old, the old hymnals, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then shortly after that, they found out that I, I play guitar and, like, they... The worship leader is like, what do you think about a band? Oh, yeah, let's do it. And he's like, I was going to let you do it. You you lead it up, you make it happen. Wow. I was like, okay. So we put the word out, and, like, uh, it's the funniest story, man. But she's, like, been the biggest blessing to me. Great. <laughs> My drummer showed up, and I hadn't met some of these people. And, like, it was the first band practice. And she showed up, and, like, she's in her 50s. <laughs> And, like, she just kind of walked in. She didn't have, like, drumsticks in her hand, and I didn't know her. And I was like, hey, I'm Alan. Can I help you? And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Donna. I'm your drummer. And I was like, really? And, man, when she sat down behind the drums, I was like, oh, I'll be. Because she got down, and, like, to hear her story, she had been playing, you know, years ago with these bands. And, man, they were good. That's cool. <laughs> And she was a phenomenal drummer, and like just the people that it attracted, and the band grew, and it was like a six-piece. And by this time, I was getting ready to go to the University of Mobile, and I was okay. gonna. I, music wasn't the uh, the major, but it was gonna be something I took some classes in, you know, just to kind of develop some things. And did that, and while I was down in Mobile, I found another church, and 
I had Levi, and he's been on the show a couple of times. Okay. And we had a church band, the foundation band, and dude, that was that went on for like four years, and we got to do so many cool things. They flew us oh, to El, cool. they flew us to El Salvador to play down there. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so like the big thing about that was like to teach uh, the music ministers there like how the music scene has been changing in America from a piano organ to having a band and you know the lyrics about the band and like the generational differences and the way that contemporaries sing about God and all that. Right. And it was it was interesting like the the culture and like they they were digging it and it was something new to them. And That's uh, really cool. It was interesting. It was, man. And so we've had what, a lot of cool opportunities along the way. So I, yeah, I know we, what you're talking about with like, and the church is filled with so many talented people. Oh, it's it's unbelievable the the amount of talent that you know you find at churches and stuff like that. We had uh, talking about a missions trip. We had uh, one of our one of our guys go to Africa, and he brought like a I don't know, it was like a two hundred dollar Fender acoustic, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he brought that with him because they were going to do worship music over there as well, and. One of the guys that was there, who was their worship leader, had this homemade built guitar that it looked like two triangles put together with a hole in the middle. And, <laughs> and it was, I mean, how it made a sound, I have no idea. But anyway, they ended up trading. And you would have thought that you gave the guy a J45 or something like that. Yeah. You know, this Fender is, is you know, brand new. He, he fell in love with it. And so as a gift, gave him, gave a buddy of mine this, uh, his homemade guitar. And so back at church, back in like the green room there uh, behind the platform, we've got that, that guitar hanging amongst a bunch of other guitars on the walls. But That's cool, man. Um, it's just a story. Hang yeah. it on the wall. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Our uh, our Mandy, our uh, uh, our vocalist in the band, she just went to Zambia cool. a few months ago on a trip there and was helping build uh, do some construction work and stuff like that. So so when it comes to all that, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of fun. It's kind of neat that uh, <laughs> we've been through the uh, through the church uh, worship teams. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, and it was an interesting time to get in because, like, music yeah. has developed. I don't know about the Buffalo area, but Alabama is typically a decade behind everywhere else, it seems like. Yeah, so is Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. You, you understand it there, too. So, yeah. Like, it's always wild. You go somewhere else, and there's like, man, I feel like uh, I'm behind on the times. Yeah. And then yeah, you come just, back, we... and you're talking these ideas to everybody, and they're like, I don't know. That's pushing it. <laughs> Well, hey, we just got a Chick Fil A, so <laughs> wow. We're, we're, yeah, so we're we're about ten years overdue. <laughs> <laughs> now we have had those for a while. <laughs> the Lord's absolutely. Chicken. <laughs> the Lord's Chicken, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, uh, you know this group of, of folks, we I I got them all together. I said, hey, you know, any interest in help me with an album? And, you know, I can't pay you, but I could feed you, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. And everybody's like, sure, you know, let's uh, let's get together and, and have some fun and have a few beers and uh, drink, yeah. eat some chicken wings, you know. So it kind of worked out over the summer of 2018. 
we got rolling on that and then we ended up recording at Old Bear Recording Studios up in Batavia, New York, which is about 45 minutes east of uh, east of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And really cool place. They, uh, it's a, actually Old Bear Records, which is its own label. So anyway, one of the other sound engineers at our church is uh, one of the owners of Old Bear. So we were able to get some time over there and you know be able to take our time with this album and we recorded reel to reel and it was really a lot of fun a lot of fun recording yeah man i've been digging it i've uh i've peeled through it twice so far and uh oh, i think track two is ship of fools yes yeah I've, I've really enjoyed that tune that that one right there i think is my favorite off the album so far oh great but like yeah, like i say i'm not through peeling through it yet yeah yeah yeah, um, that was see. our first single that we had released. Really? Yeah, we, uh, before our, uh, so we ended up kind of officially becoming a band. Uh, I remember the actual date, August 25th of 2018, was our first gig at, uh, actually at our church. And they had like a summer uh, fest, festival kind of thing. And yeah. So we gave it a test drive and we ended up liking it so much. We were like, all right, well, you know, let's make this a thing. And, let's rehearse to have a album release party you know so we ended up doing that we we didn't play throughout the fall and ended up uh, doing our album release show uh february 15th uh 2019 yeah it's called the ninth ward uh in this so you know who ani defranco is she's an awesome singer songwriter i don't uh good uh, plug i need uh, to look that up she's uh yeah she's pretty She's pretty prominent, uh, especially in Buffalo. She's a Buffalonian, multi, you know, tons of albums and stuff like that. She ended up getting together with a group and they rehabbed this old Catholic, like Gothic cathedral, and they turned it into uh, part. Part of it is her record label called Babeville Records. That's so cool. Um, yeah, and then the other, she's got two music venues in it. So. The upper sanctuary area was is called Ashbury Hall. That's like a twelve hundred person venue. Wow, um, it's a big and place. And then in the basement, they've got the Ninth Ward. And when I was looking for places, I wanted something that was kind of intimate that wasn't huge because I I knew we didn't have a following, so I I wanted to at least some sort of crowd. It looked like we had a crowd. Right. So it holds you know one hundred fifty people. Mm-hmm. You know, which is still pretty big. Yeah, it's still pretty big. It's got a little bar in there. It's it's got a really cool, like, you know, underground kind of feel to it. And uh, we ended up selling it out. Wow. And the place was packed. <laughs> was so, not expecting that, huh? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it was such a great uh, first gig. I think we got a little spoiled. <laughs> yeah, it was a quick claim to fame, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, be- before that, there was a little, we did have a boost. So, just before Christmas time in December of 2018, the uh, local radio station here in Buffalo, uh, WYRK, it's country radio. Yeah. Um, they held their uh, Taste of Country Riser competition, which I guess is, Taste of Country is a national thing, and, and they did like the local hometown Taste of Country Riser in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I had been talking to a friend of mine who, who participated in it last year, and she's like, you know, you really should consider putting a video in it. You miss every shot you don't take, right? Yeah, so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I was thinking of what song would go best, you know, and 
And I'm like, well, maybe American Tattoo or maybe 50 million. I go, you know what? I go, I'm a church going guy. I pray a lot. I'm going with the Lord on this one. And I did take me to the river. Nice. And sure enough, I get a, uh, a email about a month later saying, hey, congratulations. You made the semifinals. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I was sitting at a red light looking at my email. Losing and, your crap. Uh, yeah, I'm like, come on. So, yeah, so that kind of went in. I ended up going to the finals. And uh, long story short, I lost by one point to a very talented young lady who uh, has a phenomenal voice. So it wasn't too hard of a loss. Yeah, but, and uh, it was good publicity, right? Great publicity. It did so much. Uh, it kind of was a little bit of rocket fuel going into 2019. Yeah, it's big encouragement. It kind of gets you ready to keep on because yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's tough uh that's like it's, it's been an ebb and flow as far as like passion for trying to get out and play and trying to get your music out there at least for me is like uh, you, you'll have it seems like days months weeks stories like yeah i just kind of want to put it down i think just for you know i'm not sure yeah and then yeah I, it's you have those moments where you either you you doubt yourself or you're like, you know, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard to like, you know, especially in this point in my life, I got two boys and I'm married. Yeah. And uh, you got a you lot know, going so, on, right? You got a family. Yeah. So when I, when I took the approach I, and, and I was talking with the band after the album release show, I was like, all right, well, here's what I'm thinking. And the way I want to kind of a go at like, promoting this band was to find outlets online that can help promote our album and the band and treat like Fuzzy and the Rust Belts as almost like a touring band in a sense where we don't show up regularly yeah. um, in Buffalo. So I try to keep us at like once a month, once every six weeks playing out. And so far it's been working out good for us. So Great. And yeah. so, what are some of the uh, the other things that are other places y'all traveled? Have y'all been out of town? So, no, we haven't. That's one of the things that you know. Right now, we've only really been together for nine, ten months, something like that. Nine months, I think. Yeah. So it's really a successful nine months so far. Yeah. And so right now, what we're focused on is uh, just playing, building the fan base. Yeah, and playing the good clubs that really support local music like local original music mm -hmm. and uh so mohawk place was a great step for us getting over there it's it's a it's kind of like buffalo's cbgb it, it was always remember as like a big rock club big punk uh crowd when i was younger and now you know all sorts of acts are being able being welcomed there okay. and uh so this last show being an all-americana event was a lot of fun yeah and i mean props like any time, like I think you get featured in something that's all something. I think that like he's like, well, this this is the sound that we were going for, and like we're being featured in this. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was cool because so we've got a really good since our CD release, <clears throat> we we have a really good relationship with the manager over at Babeville for the Ninth Ward there, and especially um, since you sold it out, right? Yeah, so she invited us back to open up for a, uh, a touring musician. And we came back and, and we opened up for him uh, doing like an all acoustic show. So we were kind of wrapping it up, 
it, you know, the night was almost over. I was over packing up our merch, talking to uh, a woman who just bought a CD. So Mandy comes out from the green room. She's like, hey, Fuzzy, you know, you, you need to come back to the green room. There's there's someone back there who wants to talk to you. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll be right there. And she's like, no, you, you kind of want to go back there now. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, like, is everything all right? She's like, yeah, no, it's fine. So I go back there, and it's Marty. He's the booking uh, agent for Mohawk Place. And, you know, introduced himself, real nice guy. Says, hey, sorry I didn't catch, uh, you know, your whole show. Uh, you know, I came in here toward the end. But he goes, Anna, who's the manager at Bayville, has been uh, singing your praises and stuff like that. And I, we we're all booked up, he said, till the end of the year. But I want to let you know you're on our radar. And I said, oh, fantastic. So real quick, I grab a CD and a card. I'm like, here. Mm-hmm. You know, if something uh, something comes up where you need, you know, another band for a bill or whatever, you know, give us a call. If not, we'll talk to you in the new year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And three days later, you know, I'm getting up and look at my phone and go check my email. And uh, I got an email from Marty saying, <laughs> hey, we've got this gig coming up. I'm like, fantastic. Yeah, just went ahead and put <laughs> so, you in. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, so word of mouth is such a big thing. It uh, is. Yeah, and that was that was one reason, like, uh, just reaching out, man. I, I was excited about having y'all on, was, like, just to give you a little more publicity. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and to get the story out there, because it's so much easier to attach yourselves to these bands when you can sit down with the members and hear the story and let them talk about what they love doing. Yeah. And what they're trying yeah. to accomplish. Yep. Yeah, it's, because uh, it's not easy, you know, like, I... I you know, we've got the band and, and we, you know, everybody, you know, comes to rehearsal every week on time and we get rocking and rolling and we, we practice from seven to 10 and, you know, but then there's the other part that people don't see and that's the, you know, constant emailing. Cold calls. Yeah. People like you, uh, like when you put that post up on the, I think it was the, I'm sorry, is the Americana country folk uh, page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I jumped on it. I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I listened to that podcast. I'm like, yeah, this is this is this is right down my alley. So, you know, it's that kind of stuff because you know, there's a lot of hard work that's put in, and you probably you know you'll send out you know, 25 emails and you know maybe you get one or two responses. Yeah. But once that starts happening, you see that you, you know you start to bear fruit and it starts to grow a little more. You know. Mm-hmm. So. And it's great to get into other parts of the United States. Like I've been, I've been lucky enough to catch a lot of singer songwriters that have come through the Sunstroke House, and they're okay. from they're from all over the country. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, it's it's a way to share the audience. It's like, hey, if you happen to know who Pony Bradshaw is, he sat down with us on Porch Talk. Hey, if you happen to know who Fuzzy is, Buffalo, he was on Porch Talk, and it's a way for us to trade fan bases. Right. Right. And it's yeah. e- it's equally good because man, this the podcast man, it's it's something similar to uh, you know trying to make it any kind of thing because like music is so social media now, and you got to get all the PR you can, and I think even bad PR is good PR. Yeah, but absolutely. Um, I mean, as long as you're being talked about. Yeah. And like with the podcast or like, because I'm not in the I'm not in New York. Right. And this is a way for me to get to New York. Sure, and it's 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 just a lot of fun to cross cultures because I mean we came from totally different places. I'm from the south, 
And yeah, so, oh, like, yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> and so, and so to, and to dig into the mind of someone from New York for a minute, it, it's it's cool. And it's like, man, I can't believe that we have this in common. I can't believe that, holy crap, man, we, we both kind of got involved in the church scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, a, it's that, just... That one threw me for a loop. That was that was kind of a welcomed uh, um, revelation there, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of cool to just kind of have that in common with you. Yeah. And so, I mean, you never know. The world's a lot smaller than what you think sometimes, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of, like, um, being down south and so I was, I, I've not been to Alabama, but I was down in um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Oh, yeah, on the coast. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, that's what, like, really the first time I, I was talking to someone who was from the area down there, and they were saying, you know, this is part of the Pine Belt. And that's why I asked you if the Pine Belt stretched from Alabama, because, you know, Isbell talks about the Pine Belt and mm-hmm. Alabama Pines. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that I was in the Pine Belt, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. So I, I kind of went out into the countryside and, and realized, like, you got these tall, like, red pines. Yeah. And they're just awesome looking, you know. So I was sitting in a hotel room uh, that night, and... I had been in like southern New York, and when you're in the southern tier of New York State, it's it's very uh, very pretty, a lot of rolling hills and stuff like that. Okay. And I was I was driving down, and one of the things when I'm writing songs, um, I get a lot of inspiration from signs, um, road signs, and stuff like that, and because I love. If you were driving like, through Mississippi, you caught a lot of inspiration. I bet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Golly, man, what do you think about some of the names of these towns? I know. I know. It's crazy. So I I went through uh, this town in New York, though, called Pine Valley. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's a cool name. You know, it was a little hamlet of uh, the town of Veteran, New York. And uh, I'm like, man, that's a cool name. You know, I kind of keep that in, you know, my head for maybe a song or something down the line. Just kind of roll it around and see what comes out. Yeah, well, I'm down in Hattiesburg, and I'm in the Pine Belt, and I'm playing my guitar in a hotel room, and, you know, I start writing this song, and it ends up being, it didn't make the, I ran out of time, it it would have been on this album, but it didn't make the cut, and I can't wait to have it on the next album, but it's called Pine Valley Woman, and basically I took the approach of, I wanted to write, like, a hobo song, like, hopping trains and traveling, and so I ended up going with this story about this woman, you know, Pine Valley woman. And I I went so far, like, I like to do research when I get, I'm doing something topical. Mm-hmm. And uh, looked up, like, train terminology, hobo terminology. And, you know, what's a coffin now? You know, that's a cigarette. And, yeah. Um, you know, jack roll, you know, like to, you know, rough someone up and steal their stuff. And, mm-hmm. um all sorts of different terminology that's you know not I'm not custom to. Yeah, dude, and, I, I'll tell I'll share this with you. If you like Jason Isbell, and if you yeah. like using different vocabulary, I would highly recommend Pony Bradshaw. His album comes out June thirteenth. Okay. Dude, look up ten by ten. Ten by ten, Tony Bradshaw. Tony Bradshaw. All right. And you know what a ten by ten is, right? Uh, no. It's a jail cell. Oh, okay. And so, man, like bad teeth and uh, didn't it rain, man? Yes. Dude, when this when this album drops, I'm telling you, like people are gonna be blown away. It's next month. It's coming out. Yeah, June 13th, almost a month June from 13th. the day. 
You can, oh, good. I'm, yeah, you can do I'm, the you can do the pre order on um, Amazon already and have it drop to you on the day. But okay. he's on Spotify and everything, dude. He's amazing. Uh, I'm gonna listen to him. Yeah. And he kind of he's into the same thing. Like um, he reads a lot. He's a huge reader, and so like yeah. he, he draws a lot from you know reading. Yep. And so man, it's kind of crazy hearing like you kind of get into the same. You want to use different words and come at a different approach and maybe describe something in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, because you know maybe you know it, it resonates. You know, I was playing that song in particular, Pine Valley Woman. Uh, at a coffee shop when I was doing a solo performance and I had a girl come up to me uh, and we we talked about she had she said to me she's like it was like you you stepped into my world for five minutes Mm -hmm. and were literally walking through the past ten years of my life step by step and we sat down, had a cup of coffee, and, and kind of just talked a little bit about uh, some of her struggles and stuff like that. And it's very, you know, it's the the song. I wish I had it recorded, but it's it's one of those songs that can resonate with people in a different way. And that's what I try to do uh, with songwriting: is be able to at least uh, have people be able to latch onto it some way or another, where they feel that hey, yeah, I can relate to this. Yeah. Well, cool, man. We haven't touched yeah. on this at all. Let's um, let's backtrack to fifteen uh, year old Fuzzy, and a little bit yeah. earlier than that. Who were your influences? Why'd you even pick up the guitar? Other than you know, you wanted to get the girl, you wanted to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick up the guitar to be a shredder or anything like that. I, you know, like I said at the beginning, uh, I, I, my instrument was my voice, and yeah. I just wanted something to accompany it. There you and, go. Uh, Can't be walking know, around a cappella all the time, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, my influence is Freddie Mercury. Wow. Um, I mean, I love. What did you think about the movie? I thought the movie was very well done. Yeah, I enjoyed I, I it, dude. It really I really well loved those scenes where they were in the recording studio and they were just trying just off the wall things. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it was. Um, it was really a good movie, and I I love. I had a, probably like I think what was it. My brother got me into Queen, and so older brother. Listen, yeah, my older brother. I'm the youngest of. Uh, there's three of us. So I'm the, the youngest. They're both like seven and eight years older. Than me. I have an older brother, dude, and like a lot of my musical influences because of him. And you know, being stuck in the same vehicle and having to listen to his music. Yep. Yep. And some of it I just hated, and some of it was like, "Good job, Trey." Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, I can't say that uh, my brother. My brother, he he listened to some decent music, but uh, um, you know, he got me into. So I mean, Freddie Mercury. I guess I now looking at it, my big brother's kind of the reason I have these influences. I I, I actually I wrote some down: uh, Freddie Mercury, Axl Rose, and Steven Tyler. Yeah. Uh, because he listened to Queen, Guns N' Roses, and Aerosmith all the time. And I I loved to mimic what they did because it was so hard to to sing Freddie Mercury or Axl Rose or Steven Tyler. Like, oh, dude, I don't know if you have found it yet, but we have a Bo- Bohemian Rhapsody episode to where we just did Queen songs on the episode. Oh, did you? Yeah, I think it's oh, cool. I think it's it's another one. Bites of Dust is the name of it. Nice, and okay. dude. 
it's 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 a, it's a fun ride. Because <laughs> like it's it's that thing is like you can't imitate Freddie. I was like, we're not trying to. We're just gonna have right. a good time with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean these the guy's phenomenal. I mean, like so you know going through uh, like I said in, in high school and uh, middle school and stuff like that. Those were my my big influences because, like I said, I was a, I was more of a singer because I didn't play anything. My older brother he played the piano, so he and I would you know we would do our uh, our best uh, operatic performances to Phantom of the Opera and stuff like, like yeah. that as kids. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, growing up though with like my dad and stuff driving in his car, you know, it was always Bob Dylan, John Denver, Rolling Stones. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff, and so good taste, Dad. Yeah, when when it got to when I when I finally got it back, like I started writing in like an Americana, uh, in the Americana kind of genre, it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel foreign to me. It kind of felt like home. You know, it, it that's what the cool thing about Americana music it's it's really a mashup of rock and roll, country, folk music, mm-hmm. a little bit of bluegrass. You know all mashed into and one sometimes thing. it has a little blues touch on it absolutely as long as you're not a purist yep absolutely and uh so it doesn't feel like foreign that's why i think especially like now it's it, i think so many people are latching on to it because it's like it feels like you know it's comfortable people people relate to it because you know it reminds them of you know rock and roll or little country a little this mm-hmm. you know it's, it's all of it so i don't i don't want to project this on the culture as a whole but i think with everything that has kind of gone on over the past few years with this identity is i think that when people see americana i think that people are finding the american identity in that genre personally this is kind of like what i thought is like because I, I listen to a lot of americana and like that genre right now is something that i'm extremely proud of yep is because it, it yeah. kind of it, it feels like it's telling the story better than any other genre. Absolutely, yeah, it does. It and what you what you hear people. on the radio is kind of like what I found like when I've been in different countries is like if this is what other countries are hearing, man, this sucks because this is not who we are. Right, right. Well, that's why it's so cool. Like you know, John Moreland. Yes. Is that Oklahoma? Yes. Oh, John Moreland. My favorite song that he does is um, You Don't Care Enough for Me to Cry. Oh, man. It breaks your heart. Yeah. It's a phenomenal song. And he is huge overseas, like over in Europe. Really? He's, do- he's always doing these tours over there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk about like a great representative for like talking about the American, you know, spirit and the American yeah. culture. You know, he can really he yeah. can bring that to other people over there, and, and yeah. you know, it's it's a at least it's some of the trueness of of the American experience is is being portrayed over there in his music. Mm-hmm. I'll you tell know. you this: I had Sam Lewis, and he does a lot of work over in the UK. Like he gets a lot of tours out that way, and he said that his favorite things to do now is like when he has those listening room intimacy um you know it's a real intimate sitting he he likes to just take the time to just take questions and like just hear what they want to ask about america yeah and he's like it's 
it's crazy kind of to hear it because some of the, the implications because they want they want to know a little bit of politics so he's like is this really how y'all think and he's right. like well that's a big question and he's like let's i can t- let's talk about this yeah that's the right answer mm-hmm. yeah that's the right answer yeah and he'll he'll he'll, he'll kind of be he'll tell you a little bit about it but it's so polarizing yeah yeah well, that's cool man yeah yeah um but it's cool that like people are so fascinated with our culture i mean obviously music is the biggest part our music is all over the world sure and like with greta van fleet they're a young rock band and they went down to south america and they're in brazil at the Lollapalooza, and it is insane seeing the crowd reaction i was like dude if i was them I would play there all the time. I was like, because that yeah. cloud is just, it's electric. Yep. And like seeing like just how much other people in other countries just love the music. Yeah. That's pumping yeah, up. Yeah, that, that's the cool thing about seeing uh, like now with the album being on Spotify, right? So it, it shows like where our music's being played, you know, throughout the world. And, you know, our majority of our plays are in the United States, but I love seeing, you know, that we've got some listeners in Sao Paulo or pa- Paulo down in uh, Brazil or, you know, we're uh, being played over in, you know, England or Japan, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, I think there's a couple of New Zealand listeners and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, it's cool knowing that this music can still touch people with a totally different, you know, culture and country. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and it's not all, I mean... I don't have anything against the other genres, but I was like, that's not the way that I want to be portrayed to other people. Right, right. I would, I and mean, I don't mind it when it's people like John Moreland or Sam Lewis, or and, it, and it, they're going over and they're having this huge fall. I, I really like that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of, <laughs> we keep going into these cool little uh, rabbit holes. I'm telling you, dude, uh, welcome to Porch Talk. Yeah, it's fun, right? <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually I'm sitting here drinking a uh, out here in Buffalo. Uh, Tim Hortons is all the rage for coffee. Yeah, and so kind of like oh I don't know. There's some some other cool. What's the big one down there in Alabama? Is it Dunkin' or uh, it's Dunkin' and Krispy Kreme? They're like donut places. Okay, but they're they're so big on coffee. Starbucks is down here. Yeah, yeah. Starbucks was the. Uh, the only place to get coffee when I lived out in California, but out here, uh, Tim Hortons kind of takes the cake. And so I'm sitting here having a cup of coffee, talking with you on porch talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just flowing. Didn't know him from Adam's house cat, but dude, we're an hour in. <laughs> and, oh man, we're already an hour in. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we better, you better get us back on track, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And so man, just to, uh, We'll walk it out the door, and man, I'd I'd love to have you back on sometime. We'll yeah, do that. I would. I'd love to be back. That'd be uh, fantastic. It's been a great experience. Cool. So, man, let's just just for the people listening, what are some ways that they can connect to Fuzzy in the Rust Belt? Ways to get the music, or ways just to keep up with where y'all are going to be playing, and what y'all have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So, FuzzyInTheRustBelts.com is the best place to uh, really link in with everything. From our website, you can then springboard over to our Facebook, our Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So most of that's, uh, you know, Facebook at Fuzzy and the Rust Belts or 
you know, you can just do a search on those for Fuzzy and the Rust Belts will pop up. Yeah. And then we've got um, also our links to our Spotify, Apple Music, and a few other uh, outlets there as well. So, But Spotify and Apple Music seem to be the big two mm-hmm. that everybody's on. So you can just search Fuzzy and the Rust Belts and we'll pop right up on those uh, platforms. Great. And then from the, from the website, too, if you've got any questions or anything like that, you can always email us in the uh, contact form. Well, there you go. All right, yeah. brother. Let's uh, let's ease on out the door. Thanks so much cool. for. Uh, well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, wish you luck here on Porch Talk. Yeah, man. All right, peace out. All right, cheers. News and notes, guys. Just want to continue to encourage you to connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can kind of keep up with what we're doing and what we have going on and what's coming up. And if you haven't gone back to check out past episodes, if this was your first episode, I'd encourage you to go back and check out some more. Uh, this is generally how it goes. It's just uh, it's like a conversation you have on a, on a porch, and sometimes it is an interview, and sometimes it turns into something more than an interview. It's been a real joy of meeting these people from all over the United States and sit down and uh, just see what happens and see what comes out. And guys, on the social media, on Facebook specifically, we do have more sketches and videos coming out. We got, I got two scripts that Levi wrote that he sent to me, and we've been working through that, so we'll have more videos coming up, and I'd encourage you to go and check those out. And we're just having a good time on uh, social media, so it's a great way to keep up with us and see what we're up to. As far as notes, that sweet song by... Fuzzy and the Rust Belts. Y'all ready? I'm getting out of here. Uh, Till next time, all right? I was walking in a day dream Lost in circles till I
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.